Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guests are Stephanie Krista and Carolyn Platter, co-founders of HUM. Both of them have spent years studying the spaces of psychology, mental health counseling, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness studies, and so much more. And in combining forces, they have taken their experiences and commitment to redefining mental health by creating home. Welcome, Stephanie and Caroline. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I am super excited to get this dynamic duo going. So I guess with that said, let's go ahead and kick things off. Can you share with us a little background on yourself and what got you both started? Yeah, and thank you again. We we definitely are a duo. Steph and I, we often joke, there's a little slight little codependency going on between the two of us here, but we are best friends um, and, and business partners and, of course, the founders of Home, as you mentioned. Um, and we do many of our of our work together and, and much, much of the same thing. But we actually got started working together. Steph and I met over 10 years ago now, actually working in addiction medicine. We were working at a methadone clinic together. And we became not only, you know, really close colleagues, but we also became really close friends. And kind of over time, we started working together. We started running education and training groups together. And along the way, we started to become really kind of interested in meditation and mindfulness practices as a way to help our clients combat, you know, stress and mental health challenges that they were experiencing. And so we, you know, became trained in how to offer these different modalities. And we started weaving it into a clinical practice that we founded a number of years ago together. And it was always kind of the dream of ours that one day we're going to open up like this wellness studio or one day we're going to have this like wellness clinic, but we never quite knew what it was going to be or what it was going to look like. And, you know, as, as all good businesses start, there was, you know, maybe some wine involved and maybe some conversation around a, you know, kitchen table. And we started concepting this place of, you know, meditation and mindfulness and this place where people could come in and rest and recharge and experience this practice that we know is so beneficial to so many people. And that was really the first roots of home. And then here we are five years later, we actually created the space, concepted it, found the space, um, and then opened in downtown Toronto in 2018. My goodness, there's there's so many different things that I definitely want to be able to ask. I think you're touching on so many incredible topics here. Um, you know, maybe we kind of dive into the founding of the business, right? The operations of the business. What are some key takeaways that you both have experienced in being founders and founding home? Yeah, so it's actually been a lot with um, kind of the operations of the business and and founding the business. As Carolyn mentioned, we are mental health clinicians. So, you know, we didn't have, you know, we, we went into this business and we built this business really with kind of the function and what we wanted to give to our community and what we wanted to give to the city. And so I think there was a steep learning curve of just kind of moving from like clinicians and, and almost like service providers in a way to founders and owners of a company. And so I think just kind of the basic day-to-day learning of running a business was um was a big learning for us but then I think you know if I had to tell if I had to tell past me you know what I know now and I always think that that's always a really good way of looking at it I would say I don't know there's so much learning that we have I think one of the big ones was creativity 
Like, you know, so much of what we've done with the building of home and the expansion and, you know, the different arms of our business really came from creativity and, and just allowing ourselves to think outside the box. And I think, you know, so often when we ever felt stuck with the business, a lot of the time is because we were caught up in the day to day. And I remember Carolyn saying once early on, she was like, we need to work on the business, not in the business. And we need to really focus that we do have some dedicated time in working on the business and not just getting stuck on the in the business. And that really was a big mind shift for me. And I found that really helpful to start to think a little bit bigger than the day to day. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, I would certainly you know, add, add to that, you know, it, it was hard. I mean, I think any entrepreneur, any founders know how challenging and how difficult it can be to, to run a business. And I think, you know, having that, that courage and, and bravery to, to jump in or, you know, perhaps just being a little bit naive, maybe, or maybe a combo of both, <laughs> I think kind of worked to, to our favor is that we didn't know exactly how it was going to be. And I know the best business plan in the world still, you know, for instance, our business plan did not factor in a global pandemic. It just wasn't in the business plan. And so there was a lot of things that we just had to sort of jump and really just trust. And I think, again, a key takeaway is the team and trust the team that we've created and the vision that we've created that we're going to make this happen. And and it was a lot. I mean, it's still to this day, a lot of work and it's a lot of grinding and a lot of, you know, being scrappy and working a lot of hours. But I think that's that's part of it is just be okay to shift and to change and, and be ready to work hard. And, you know, it will work out if you have that that vision and, and you're working hard at it. Mm, I love the realness of this. Something that a really good mentor of mine have always has always taught me is when you're running a business, you have to ask yourself, are you beating the drum or are you conducting the orchestra? You can't be doing both at the same time. And it's incredibly difficult. I think in the role of the founder and as you're becoming an entrepreneur, as you're launching and growing and scaling a business, it's incredibly important to make sure that you are surrounding yourself around key talent or key individuals, key people that can help not only elevate the business, but also elevate you as a leader as well. Is is that right? Absolutely. I mean, that was like one of the first things we realized very, very early on. I mean, as Stephanie said, I mean, we are certainly not at the time. I mean, now I would definitely kind of see myself, you know, as somebody who who has some strengths in business, but that was not our expertise at the beginning. And I think you have to know where your expertise is and kind of stay in your lane. And yes, you can kind of wear different hats. And of course you do as a founder, but absolutely bringing on people who know what they're doing and who are the experts in their areas, that's going to help you grow and scale so much faster than trying to figure it out or doing too many things at once. And then in the end, kind of doing a whole lot of nothing, right? (laughs) That makes sense. So now I'm curious too, with the both of you, how have you found the dynamics of perhaps adjusting to the complementary skill sets that that each of you have? That is one thing that honestly, I... I am so grateful for every single day is our team. You know, it's funny. So many people say like, don't go into business with your family. Don't go into business with your family. It can change things. And we were very aware of that. And, you know, we, we heard, we heard the warnings quite often, but I have to say like time and time again, I don't think that there's a week that goes by where I'm not so grateful for each other, like the, the, what we have with each other, but then also our broader team. And so home has a number of co-founders. We have a, we have a broader team of five of us. And 
and I don't know, I don't know how we found each other, but we, we have such a complementary skill set and it just, it just happened. And I literally am so grateful every single day. And whenever something happens, you know, there's ups, there's downs. Entrepreneurship is a, is a very wild roller coaster. Every time I'm so grateful that they're on the ride with me because I don't, I don't think that I could have done. I, I no, I don't think. I know I wouldn't have been able to do this without them. We all bring such unique skill sets, and so it's always so funny to me because they're so complementary to, to each other. Even, you know, just on a small scale, I think Carolyn is just. We're so similar in so many ways, but then our strengths are so, you know, complementary to each other. So like Carolyn has just such a strong kind of leadership and communication background, and I find that I'm a little bit more you know, I, I, I kind of get caught up in, in doing the work and I don't, I forget to communicate it. And so I just, I'm so grateful that I have her to kind of balance me out. And then just with some of the broader things, it's when we all get together and we start brainstorming together, honestly, I get shivers because it's just how, how our brains can think so similarly, but then so differently, but it all just works together. It's just, yeah, it's, it excites me to talk about this because it's so unique. We're so lucky. And I, I think, and thank you, Steph. I mean, and to add to, to that, you know, I would say, you know, certainly one of the strengths that I think Steph, you know, really brings to, to our business and has been, you know, such a, really always a strength of hers is her ability to connect. Steph has, you know, she's such a social being and an extroverted person. And so she's been so wonderful to kind of lead the charge for networking and, you know, some of the social things that we do and just really kind of bringing the atmosphere and the experience to and building the community and the people that we want into the studio. That's her expertise. Certainly, I mean, Steph, you know, if you ever are lucky enough to be invited to one of her parties, she hosts the best parties. <laughs> and, um, you know, certainly not my expertise at all, but I will always say yes to your invitations. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll put that out there, then I will certainly say yes to any invitation that comes my way as long as that sounds wonderful. You are always I think invited. this is, this is fantastic. And <laughs> thank you. This is fantastic. And I'm hoping too that, you know, I personally get asked the question constantly of, should I get a co-founder, right? I'm wanting to build a team. Always like, what are the different types of skill sets do I need to look out for? And my common response is always take a look at your individual strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Look internally, evaluate what you're really, really good at and also what you really like to do and then build around it. Yeah. Right. Have those. I think one of the the main themes that I kept hearing here is like complementary skill sets. You know, it's it's important to be able to leverage each other's strengths to be able to get to that common goal. And that's really honestly the definition of team. So I kind of want to shift into now, like really like the business operations, because it's incredibly fascinating. I think, Caroline, you had touched upon it in the very beginning of the original idea of building home was to be able to launch a wellness studio. And you did, right? You actually started as a brick and mortar business. And Mm -hmm. as the business continued to evolve, you actually transitioned into the digital world, into the metaverse. And my gosh, I could probably have a million (laughs) questions on that alone. But I mean, how did you guys think about this? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to, to look at now kind of the origin story. I mean, we've always, you know, as much as when Stephanie and I first got into meditation and mindfulness, it was really one of those practices that not only did we know that clinically really had so many mental health benefits and beyond mental health benefits, but it's the type of thing that we are like, if more people experience this, 
people, you don't have to convince people. It's like, well, just convince someone to come and take a class or to have that experience. And then, you know, they know how it feels within themselves. And so we're like, how do we create this space? And that led to, to the Toronto brick and mortar space. But for us, I mean, really, when we look at it globally, I mean, Toronto is, is just one small corner of the world. And there are so many people out there that can benefit from these practices. And so we've always had it in our minds of how do we bring this beautiful practice to more people worldwide? And one thing that we, you know, again, and, and this is somebody else on our team who's very much, you know, has his pulse on, you know, technology and what the next best thing is and, and what's coming out there. Because at the time we were looking at like, you know, do we maybe launch a mobile app? And we certainly can see how saturated they are with, you know, meditation and mindfulness apps out there. And we wanted to do something innovative and unique. And so actually very early on, like when we were not even open for six months, we actually created a kind of beta concept version of a VR mental um, meditation class and debuted it at the Collision Conference, which is a global tech conference that was being hosted here in Toronto. And that was really our first sort of jump into the, the metaverse. And then, you know, fortunately, you know, we, we, as we predicted and as we had hoped, we are starting to now see the metaverse really expand. Um, you know, and even Facebook, you know, changing their name to Meta and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg really pushing that cause and so many other, um, you know, founders and, and huge global businesses really scaling into VR and to VR markets. So that led us to continue to invest in our app. And then, and then the pandemic happened, right? And then all of a sudden our brick and mortar studio is shut down and, you know, then we're left with, well, what else do we have? It's, it's technology. And so let's really dive deep into the VR app and, and here we are, January 6th, we launched our app on MetaQuest official store. So we're really excited to be in the metaverse and now meditating with, with homies worldwide right now. <laughs> I love it. I think, you know, something that really, out of many things, one thing that just really resonated with me is the purpose, right? I love the idea and the fact that you both didn't just go into digital and shift into this digital transformation just for the sake of it, right? You were already forward thinking. You you were already starting to go into the space. You had a beta out. And the true intention of it all was that you wanted to be able to bring this practice to the masses. And I think that's so, so incredibly wonderful. And it actually leads me to a next question here. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people are still trying to learn about mental health and mental well-being and all that there is to be a part of this space. And when we think about the broader wellness category, right, we see subsectors like nutrition, physical activity, sleep. And within those subsectors, there's different modalities. My goodness, in physical activity itself, you can do strength training and yoga and all the fun things. And if you want to zoom into the mental health space, you touched on the word modalities. So for those that may not be aware, what are the different types of modalities? That's a really good question. And, you know, when we think about mental health, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a very broad term. And I love that we're talking about mental health and mental wellness and mental fitness. And, you know, I think traditionally when we thought about mental health, you know, or mental illness, let's say, it really was just getting people to you know, if people were struggling with their mental health or experiencing mental illness, traditionally and kind of historically, it was just getting to people to a place of kind of survival in a way. How do we get you to this place where you're just able to survive day to day? And I think the mental health and the mental wellness and the me mental fitness kind of landscape has changed where we're having broader conversations about how can we 
from a mental health perspective, how do we not like not just survive, but how do we thrive now? And I think it's interesting because when you talk about these different subsectors, they all play a role in our mental health and our overall mental and mental well-being. And I think what's so important to, to recognize is that we're now starting to identify and, you know, the literature is starting to support it more. We're having bigger conversations that our mind and our body are so interconnected. So often people would talk about kind of like mental health or mental wellness or, you know, um, mental illness was just kind of this thing that we talked about and that our body was something else that we treated, but they're so interconnected. And so when you look at some of the subsectors, of mental health, sleep plays such a huge role on our mental well-being. Physical activity plays such a huge role. There's amazing studies that look at the impact of physical activity on the treatment of depression and anxiety. Um, nutrition plays a huge role in, you know, we're seeing a lot of kind of nutritional counseling and nutritional changes or nutritional treatment for mental health. And so it's always so interesting to me that now we're having these bigger conversations about how do we thrive instead of just survive. That certainly makes sense. And it almost kind of brings me, at least even to like my own personal experiences, how I've seen it evolve over time. I think historically, anytime then, right, it's a stigma, right? So anytime that somebody would speak about mental health and mental well-being, it wasn't that it was an afterthought, but it was almost like it was a medicine after something was already prescribed to you. It was never something that was preventative care. It was never something that was talked about as something that you should just be doing anyways, right? I think in my own personal experiences, those phrases, those words almost send off of, you know, if you have a certain problem, if you're coming across a certain challenge or obstacle, then you should start thinking about this. But I think hopefully, at least on what I'm seeing um, in a positive way, is that we're, we're starting to shift that, right? People are now realizing that it's ingrained across everything that we're doing. Like in a really strange note, like if I'm not sleeping very well, I certainly am not up to my 100% or even 90% the next day. And it, it certainly has such an incredible impact. Um, across all the different categories of of wellness. So something that I'm curious now to you is I'm sure that technology has really played a significant role in this and has made a significant role in evolving the thought processes and perspective of what mental health and mental well-being looks like. So can you talk about where is the technology today and where you envision it going to further advance mental well-being? Yeah, I mean, I think today there, I mean, especially I think with the pandemic, it really accelerated a lot of medical and health and, and well-being care being virtual, you know, so I think we saw the rise of like virtual therapy. I know Stephanie and I both shifted um, our clinical practices to Zoom practices and online practices during the pandemic. And we see more and more companies who are offering like mobile-based therapy and virtual-based therapy. You know, so that's one is actually being able to to have clinical interventions, you know, on the phone or on the computer. But I actually think that that's very quickly going to be an antiquated way that we're going to to work on our mental health. And I do really see a big sur surge now heading into the metaverse, not only with with VR, but with augmented reality as well, being able to bring in, you know, a clinician or a meditation instructor or a mindfulness instructor actually into your living room, sort of pass through into your living room, or being able to be in an immersive environment where we're actually able to connect with somebody in in the metaverse. So, you know, I think right now the we're sort of 
you know, you have to be on your computer to see someone, but imagine you are in that, that environment. And now people will say, and there are people who absolutely have concerns about technology impacting our mental health negatively. And I work with um, primarily adolescents and we know the impact that like social media can have and phones and being on their phone, it can have a negative impact for sure, but it's not all bad. And when you actually look at the clinical literature, there is a lot of literature that shows how positive it can actually be for some people if they are, instead of being passive consumers of social media and instead are more active consumers of social media, it can actually help you know with connection, you know, assist people, those who, who have social anxiety can still feel that they can connect to a community, even if they're, you know, scared or anxious to do that in person. So there are a lot of positives. And I think that we're going to also see that with the metaverse. I think the metaverse is going to bring people an opportunity to have experiences that they may not be able to have physically or in the real world. So, I mean, what gets Stefan actually, just before we popped on to, to this podcast, Steph and I were talking about the healthcare applications for virtual reality. And, you know, imagine the applications of those who are in hospital or those who are on long-term care or those who are in incarceration who are not able to leave their physical environment and yet virtually we're able to put them in a headset and have them experience, you know, a beautiful experience um, that they might not otherwise have. So I really do think that the future is in the metaverse. I think just like anything, there can be some cons to that, but I do think that there absolutely is going to be a lot of pros to using it and a lot of clinical benefits to your mental health by using virtual reality. Oh my goodness. I really hope that actually comes to life. I'm thinking about and visualizing the idea because I have also personally been impacted by the unfortunate, um, unfortunate experience of not being able to see a loved one just because of the physical environment that they were in. But you're exactly right. And I, you know, it's, speaking on the, the the really true positives of technology and almost the intersection with the wellness industry is that with the two, we have an opportunity to create a really unique, immersive, I love that, a really unique human connection with others. So in the digital world, how do you think about not only creating a human connection, but also fostering a sense of community? I find that such an exciting part of the metaverse and some of what we can do because you know as carolyn said this was something we were thinking about pre-pandemic then this pandemic hits and now we're having bigger conversations and we're actually physically distancing from each other we're locked down we can't see people and so how do we how do we take classes with each other how do we connect with people and just to give you a little bit of history on human connection there are, you know, when you talk about mental health modalities or kind of things that we that support our mental health, human connection and human communication is huge part of our longevity. So there have been studies that show that if we have a sense of community, if we have a sense of connection or a sense of belonging, that can add seven to 14 years to our expect like our life expectancy. So huge, huge benefits, nothing to scoff at when it comes to human connection. And from our brick and mortar studio, definitely creating a sense of community and, you know, creating a safe space for like-minded people to come together and connect with each other face-to-face was a big priority when we started. And we were very grateful. We have a wonderful community around us. And so definitely was a big conversation of how do we do this in the metaverse? And so, you know, I think that there's many applications and we're only beginning to scratch the surface, but 
One of them is when we have our studio classes, you are able to just kind of see who else is in the room with you. There's a listing of different people that are in the room with you. So you know that you're, that you're together. And we know that meditation is better together. There are great benefits to meditating with other people, to feeling like there's a sense of connection. So you're, you're no longer you're no longer alone when you're in this space together. And I think what's so lovely in some of the, the larger things that we have coming down the pipeline with the app are really prioritizing our sense of community and building that sense of connection. And so I know I want to come back in a couple of months and, and then talk about it even more. <laughs> yeah. And there are just so many cool ways, I mean, to, to meet with people all over the world. And I think, you know, that's what's really exciting for us, you know, with, with the potential in the metaverse. I mean, they're having concerts now and events in the metaverse. And so for us, as Stephanie said, the magic that we're doing at the brick and mortar side to actually bring that now into the virtual side, but actually now being able to bring people together globally in meditation. I mean, there is, you know, a practice of meditation called a meta meditation where you can kind of, you know, create changes, hopefully, you know, in a broader scale with having so many men, people meditating together at once. So yeah, you're right. It's going to be really exciting. And again, I think in a couple of months, you'll, you'll see some of the really cool things that we're doing on that side of things virtually. Oh, that's amazing. I am incredibly excited on that. Well, on that note, we actually haven't even necessarily dived into home. So talk mm-hmm. to us at home. What is it? What's going on? What can we get excited about? And what can we expect from you guys in the future? Huh? There's a lot going on. I mean, absolutely. There's there's two things. So as we mentioned, I mean, we have certainly have the the brick and mortar side, which is now up and back and running post pandemic. So we are just excited to meet with people, you know, in real life again. And as Steph mentioned, you know, hosting all of our incredible events. We have launched a slew of education um, and wellness programming. Um, you know, including meditation instructor certifications, which is really exciting to help, um, you know, empower more people to be able to teach and provide the gift of meditation and mindfulness practice. And then perhaps sort of most exciting to us is really the continued expansion of our home app in the metaverse, um, which will be, you know, hopefully porting to other apps, you know, launching or other headsets and other hardware launching in more places across the world. But then also the content is going to be really exciting. So we're moving beyond just meditation and mindfulness classes and really moving into some of the other um, applications for mental health or mental fitness and meditation and mindfulness in VR. So you'll see lots of mindful movement classes. You're going to see classes focused around focus and creativity. It's going to be lots of breath work and some really cool breath work applications that are coming down the pipeline. And yeah, a lot of cool things, right, Steph? <laughs> yeah, a lot of ways that you can optimize and different ways of thinking about mental health, um, meditation and mindfulness. So yeah, this this summer, there's going to be a lot of change coming this summer, a lot of exciting new things coming this summer. Oh, I love it. And I love the really like, fundamental idea that you are bringing mental well-being to the masses and in the most inclusive way too, by providing so many different options for people to become mentally fit, mental, mentally um, well. So with that said, final question for you both. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? I think for me, and I mean, we yeah, we've talked about this and this kind of been, you know, at least from, from my experience has been to get a co-founder. I mean, for, for me, that has been probably, I think the single best thing that, and I, the only reason that I would have done this is because I had somebody to do this with. 
I don't think there is no way I know 100% I wouldn't have done this alone. Um, I having somebody that I can bounce ideas off of that have ideas that they can bounce off with me. And the other thing that Steph and I say all the time is when one of us is down, the other isn't. And so it's so wonderful as a founder, because there will be those times where you're struggling and you're doubting yourself and wondering why the heck you ever did this. And so to have another founder who's in the exact same place as you, but can give you a different perspective is, I mean, that's been invaluable to me. So for me, it's, it's get a co-founder. Um, I know there's some controversy on that one, but that is the advice I would give. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. And then, you know, one other thing that I would say, and it was something that I just carried with me because you know, even just starting to build the studio and starting to to make the jump, it was really scary. And there were there was a a, a time where it wasn't going to happen. Like we had big conversations, and we were seriously considering kind of pulling the plug on the idea of it. And I remember just kind of thinking, and and we said to each other, we were on the couch crying together about it. And I remember we, we talked about the regret that would happen if we didn't. And, um, and so my piece of advice that I always like to give people is if the regret of not trying is scarier than the fear of failure, um, then, then you're making the right decision to go ahead. Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you, Stephanie and Caroline, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Home, the next generation of meditation, mindfulness, and mental well-being. Looking to hear more about what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.